On Sunday, thousands of far-right rioters stormed Brazil's capital city and its halls of power. They broke windows, ripped artwork in the presidential palace, and set off fireworks on the roof of Congress. These rioters were supporters of former President Jair Bolsonaro, a conservative figure who lost re-election in the fall. He never conceded to Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, the current president, sworn in just last week. For many of those watching this, this insurrection felt strikingly similar to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol two years ago. And as Post correspondent Anthony Fiola explains, Sunday's attack in Brasilia did not come out of nowhere. Since Election Day, there were thousands of Brazilians, of supporters of Bolsonaro, who have been camped out at military headquarters, hoping that there would be a military intervention that would, in some ways, overturn uh, the election results, which, which they don't recognize, and restore Bolsonaro to power. Anthony is in Brasilia, covering the aftermath of this attack. The exact objective remains somewhat foggy, but what we do know is that many of them did believe that uh, this would be a day when the military would see the people taking action and would somehow back them. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Monday, January 9th. Today, we talk with Anthony about what fueled this chaos in Brasilia and what's next for Lula, Bolsonaro, and democracy in Brazil. Anthony, what did these rioters do on Sunday in Brasilia? They gained entry to the Supreme Court, to the Palacio Planalto, which is the office of the president, and to Congress. Um, These buildings are situated around a main plaza in Brasilia, and they are seen reverently throughout Brazil as symbols of the nation. They were built by the famed architect Oscar Niemeyer. And what we saw yesterday in many ways, you know, slammed at the heart of that democracy. You know, this was considered, you know, by experts to be perhaps the most significant anti-democratic action in the country since the 1964 coup that brought a military dictatorship to power. And, you know, although this was dispatched within five hours, more or less, as security forces were able to drive out you know, the thousands of Bolsonaristas who had occupied and vandalized these buildings, the fact that they were able to gain entry still, to many, um, has raised a lot of questions about the loyalty of the police and the other problems that Lula is going to be facing in this incredibly divided country as he tries to govern over the next four years. Yeah, and how did this group come together to storm these halls of power? Who led the charge? And can you tell us a little bit more about exactly how security forces did respond, including questions surrounding the police and and what's going on with the military? Yeah, there were social media calls um, that asked both the people who have already been protesting since Election Day and have been, you know, camped out in front of the military headquarters here. You know, those people were many of the ones that stormed these buildings yesterday. But there were also others, uh, you know, thousands of others, Bolsonaristas, who were bussed in 
in recent days for this uh, chaotic event. Um, wow. Now, the government has said that it knows who financed these buses. You know, our reporting has indicated that they're looking at agribusiness, um, people who traditionally have had very good relations with Bolsonaro, as well as others. Uh, they haven't actually named names yet, but they say that they're going after them. Um, the other issue is that the governor of the Federal District of Brasilia was a very pro-Bolsonaro governor. And he apparently reassured, you know, the government that security was under control. We see that was not the case. I mean, there are now questions surrounding to what extent um, this was conspiracy and to what extent it was mismanagement. I mean, those are questions that will be answered, you know, in the days to come. The other big question is the police. There were images yesterday, you know, of uh, police officers buying coconut water as these rioters were entering and vandalizing buildings that are sacred to Brazilian democracy. Now, we can say that, you know, when Lula was inaugurated on January 1st, there were, you know, 8,000 police officers and others that were present to enforce order on that particular day. There's some suggestion that they may have dropped their guard after that, thinking that crisis moment might have passed. But given the amount of intelligence that was available from social media about the gathering strength of these rioters um, and the specific target of these buildings on Sunday, it may not be as simple a question as that. And what has Brazil's current president, Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, said in response? And what has Bolsonaro said in response to this attack? Well, you know, Lula has tactically blamed Bolsonaro for riling these people up and refusing to concede the election and giving them um, this false narrative that the election was stolen from them. Um, he was visibly angry yesterday when he was, you know, speaking to reporters and to the nation. Não existe precedente o que essa gente fez e por isso essa gente terão que ser punida. E nós, inclusive, vamos descobrir quem são os financiadores desses vândalos que foram à Brasília. And, you know, he also blamed the police as well. So that has been Lula's response. I mean, Bolsonaro's response has been to basically condemn the violence while he has twisted and I guess sometimes contradicted his own words in ways that have been read as dog whistles by his supporters. Um, so his comments have mostly come through social media posts. He is currently in uh, Florida right. at the moment and not in Brazil. Uh, there are some who are now questioning whether or not these events uh, will raise his legal jeopardy in Brazil. It additionally creates more questions about, you know, when he'll return. And if he does return, um, you know, will he face a potential prosecution for what happened? We're a little early on the mark to answer those questions, but certainly those are the questions that need to be answered. After the break, how Sunday's insurrection in Brazil compares to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. We'll be right back.
Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. So, Anthony, we've been talking about this attack in Brazil, and there does appear to be many parallels between what happened this past weekend and what happened in the United States on January 6, 2021. What are those parallels, and how are these events different in any way? Well, I mean, they're different in the sense that as of now, we're not aware of any deaths that happened yesterday. Um, And of course, we did have five deaths in the immediate aftermath of the January 6, 2021 insurrection in the United States. But, you know, in in other ways, there's also um, remarkable similarity. And the similarities come partly in the nature of the people who were conducting these riots, right? Like you know, the Trump backers who conducted the the assault on the Capitol. The Bolsonaristas here are driven by conspiracy theories. Um, They are driven by grievances that have been fueled by, you know, in this case, Bolsonaro. Um, You know, this sense of grievance that the election was stolen from them, that there was fraud in the election. And these are all thoughts that have, you know, fueled these people and made them believe that their country was being stolen and taken away from them. But there's no basis in fact for any of this. They have also clung to conspiracy theories that yesterday was going to be the day that the military intervened and arrested Lula and et cetera, et cetera. None of that appears to have been based in fact. Again, they're being fed information on Telegram, Twitter, et cetera, um, you know, other, you know, sort of insular uh, social media apps where uh, they're sort of basically regurgitating all of these falsehoods uh, and false narratives that have been circulating around since Election Day. Bolsonaro has fed into this by refusing to recognize the results. Um, You know, I think that's one reason why moderates in Brazil are pointing the direction to him for creating this situation and creating an environment of such polarization and unreality, right, where these people no longer can separate fact from fiction. And we can see how that can lead to violence. Yeah, clearly there are these, like, very stark similarities. I'm also just reflecting back to the Capitol insurrection in the United States. It it felt like a wake-up call for many people in the United States. The takeaway being democracy in the country is way more fragile than people realized. It was this unprecedented event that happened as lawmakers were trying to carry out the certification of the presidential election and carry out democracy. And I'm wondering, in this case, what is Brazil's recent political history and how this attack figures in in that? Yeah, so there was a military coup in Brazil that brought uh, a military junta to, to power in 1964 and lasted until 1985. Um, and the military dictatorship in Brazil was, I guess, in some ways viewed as not quite as horrific as what we saw in Argentina, where the dirty war really did produce many thousands of people who were disappeared 
But it was still a pretty horrific period in Brazil. And, you know, one that was marred by the torture and disappearance of political opponents and activists. It's an era that Brazilians have hoped is behind them. Most of them <laughs> have hoped is behind them. But we also know that Bolsonaro is a character who has constantly hearkened back to the dictatorship in positive ways, um, seeing that era of, quote, law and order as, you know, um, something that should be, you know, in some ways exalted. Um, you know, the people who were out there yesterday calling on the military to rise up against Lula are, are clearly people who have more positive views of, of those dark days in Brazil. And their discourse is in so many ways fueled by um, confusion, right? And it's it's fueled by this this dual narrative that on one side they pretend to be, you know, defending democracy from people who are trying to steal their country away, but at the same time, they would like to see the military rise up against a democratically elected leader. So you you can see the inherent conflict of that. Yeah, and also, hasn't Brazil, they've experienced an actual coup before, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, Brazil's democracy by comparison to the one in the United States, is relatively new. True, but I also think that, as Lula said yesterday, I mean, I think this act was seen as unprecedented in many ways, mm. um, in, in the sense that despite the fact that the era of democracy here has been relatively short compared to the one in America, there was a feeling that the country had reached a sort of stability from which there was no going back. Um, and, and I think that that if you talk to... I guess the most clear-eyed analysts now will tell you that, yes, this is a terrifying event, but it is unlikely to jeopardize the actual democratic system in Brazil, at least not yet. It's more of a slow rot, if you will. It's something that has the potential to grow and become more poisonous as the years go by. And I think, you know, that's one of the risks that Brazil is facing going forward. And what kind of consequences could not just the participants in this event face, but but other people? Well, there have already been hundreds of people yesterday that were arrested, and uh, there are more that they're trying to locate using geolocation and other means. They're also, as I said earlier, trying to uh, go after the financiers of the buses that brought a lot of people here. Um, I would be surprised if they're not also looking into whatever ties might exist between these financiers and members of, you know, Bolsonaro's inner circle and perhaps Bolsonaro himself. I think there's likely to be significant fallout from this, and we'll be seeing that, I think, in the days and weeks ahead. And now that Bolsonaro when this attack took place, was in Florida. Have officials or lawmakers in the United States said anything about that? Um, yes. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, some uh, U.S. lawmakers on the left side of the spectrum question, you know, why exactly is Bolsonaro in Florida? What is he doing there? Um, what we can also say is that, you know, leaders not only in the United States, but, you know, in Europe and across Latin America have very much condemned what happened yesterday, this insurrection in Brazil. I think particularly in Latin America, it hits home. You have a, a bunch of countries that are facing many of the same political polarization issues that Brazil is facing. And none of them want to see this kind of societal unrest spill over into the ways that we saw yesterday in Brazil. Um, I think this is a part of the world that still has very dark memories of its of its military dictatorship pasts. And I don't think that we are likely to see a return of that. But what it is, 
instead is like what we've got in the United States, right? This issue where you have people on the right who simply refuse to accept defeat when they lose elections fair and square. And with that kind of mindset comes the kind of incidents that we saw yesterday because they refuse to recognize a loss when it happens. You know, Anthony, last week we spoke with one of our colleagues about the inauguration of Lula and whether Lula will be able to govern such a divided country because it did feel like the inauguration was a big win for Brazil's democracy, given there was this transition despite Bolsonaro not being present for it. But now, after everything that happened this weekend, it does feel like a big step back. So what does this mean for Lula's ability to govern from here on out? I think it complicates it for him. I mean, you know, some will argue that this creates more animosity uh, in a country that is already deeply polarized. And But at the same time, I think it's very possible that what we've seen yesterday are people who amount to a relatively small number of very radical Bolsonaro supporters um, who took matters into their own hands. Um, It is unclear whether or not, you know, the politicians on the right, in particular the center-right, will, you know, in some ways begin to channel or appease that side of the political spectrum, um, it is possible that there there's more pressure on them to distance themselves from these anti-democratic forces that exist in the country. Um, but I think it is fair to say that it certainly complicates Lula's ability to bring the country together. Um, it perhaps makes it impossible in the near term. Um, you know, I think we'll have to see, you know, as he tries to move through important pieces of legislation, the extent to which there is both political support and backlashes on the street to the measures that he's moving forward with. Anthony, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. Not at all. Thank you for having me. Anthony Fiola is a correspondent for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith with help from Savvy Robinson. It was mixed by Rennie Svernovsky and edited by Lucy Perkins. Thanks also to Taylor White. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.